Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. Hello and I, I am of course Tom Dow, which I forgot to say, but that I'm here as always as well. Um, and we are, we are doing a podcast today um, where we're going to focus on transfers, um, particularly uh, ins and outs uh, happening in and around Arsenal at the moment. Uh, obviously, there's not been anything concrete yet, but there's been lots of rumblings about things. So there's lots to unpick with that. But before we do that, we are going to return to our regular feature, which is our commentary quiz, where we both select a piece of commentary and the other person has to try and guess which goal is being described. Uh, Andre, would you like to go first? Yeah, yeah, I would. I would. Um, feels like a while, Tom. Feels like a while. You've still got a streak. I'll be amazed if you don't get this one. Seriously. Oh, the pressure, no, the don't. pressure. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. Right at the end, an unbelievable climax to the league season. <laughs> well into injury time. No idea. No idea. Um, obviously, it's up for grabs now at Anfield. <laughs> yeah, the latter part of the commentary. The lesser spotted commentary. The lesser spotted latter part of the commentary. I love it. Um, it's just, it's one of those things that. Um, Although both you and I were not born when that happened, it's just impossible to be an Arsenal fan and not know about that night. And it's it's one of the... Well, there's many things in Arsenal's history that I'm very envious that I wasn't around for, but that one is, is certainly the, uh, the peak of the iceberg, so to speak. Um, and I really, really <laughs> wish I was alive during that, even, even if I could just say I was a few months old. But I was born I was born that year, but in November as opposed to in May. So very disappointing. Yeah. But uh, I, I've watched the whole game back before. I've watched the documentary. Um, I've watched that goal so many times. I know the commentary to, like the back of my hand. It's just amazing. And yeah. I, was very, I was very fortunate growing up that I... Um, I think I've mentioned him before, but my my dad's friend Eric, who sadly passed away uh, a couple of years ago, um, he and his his kids were actually at the game that night. So I've sort of grown up like hearing stories about that night and and various away trips that season. So I feel I feel quite privileged that I was sort of educated with that growing up on that long car journeys from Margate to North London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I um... The reason I went for that one is because season's over. We haven't talked um, doing a podcast. We have spoken otherwise, listener, don't worry. Um, and I've detoxed from the season and I'm very excited about the Euros. And I'm getting the hope back that next year, Tom, <laughs> it could be our year. It could uh, be our year. <laughs> And I always look back to that moment. And the reason I do is because it's so just wonderful. I mean, if you dig out, there's an amazing three-minute video, which is what I used to, to prepare for this, that starts with David Pleat uh, talking about, you know, it's somewhat poetic justice. And then he goes on to some bollocks about why it's... Curb crawling? Yeah, something like that. And... and <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, you know, and it always takes about, I love fever pitch as well, because they encapsulate that moment so well. He's like, shut up, pleat. Uh, and it's um, just the whole thing around that game. You didn't have to live through it. 
to understand and imagine what it must have been like. I mean, I can't. I can't actually. I think I'd have exploded. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know how you you deal with that level of celebration. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you, and I, I just. I, I think it's one of those things. That obviously, for the, for those that were privileged enough to be there that night, it's it's an incredible memory. But I think it's. It's one of those things that everyone has their own memories and their own experiences of that moment that don't really deter from from not being there. Like my dad, for example, he uh, he celebrated so hard that he threw his beer on the ceiling and then had to paint it the next day, <laughs> much to my mother's dismay. But um, uh, I think everyone around the country that supports Arsenal had their own experiences that were probably not too dissimilar to that one so it's uh it's just fantastic and it's it's lovely to reminisce uh, about um a time that we weren't even around for which just seems incredible and to think that was i mean i'm 31 now and it's just mad that that was so long ago and yeah. i still wasn't born <laughs> arsenal comes streaming forward now and surely what will be their last attack a good ball by dixon finding smith for Thomas, charging through the midfield. Thomas, it's up for grabs now. Thomas, right at the end. An unbelievable climax to the league season. Well into injury time, the Liverpool players are down absolutely abject. Aldridge is down, Barnes is down, Delgleish just stands there. Nichols on his knees, McMahon's on his knees. Suddenly, it was Michael Thomas bursting through. The bounce fell his way. He flips it wide of Grobelaar. Right, well, that is a lot of talking for one little snippet of commentary. We could do a whole podcast on that on, on that <laughs> snippet of commentary alone. Uh, maybe we will at one point, but not, not today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, far away. Well, you built yours up um, very nicely and then obviously spoke about how it was because you detoxed and you were having all this hope and you. I, I assume that's probably why you went for a bit of an easier one for me as well. I feel like a bastard now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like a total bastard because I've. this is a tough Maybe one. I've got a clue. cup. <laughs> no. Last time we were in the second round. I, 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 <laughs> of course, we're both so excited that we're going to be in the uh, the second round of the League Cup. But uh, no, it's not a League Cup game. Um, I'll just read it to you. I, 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 well, maybe you'll surprise me. Maybe maybe this will be easier than I think. Reyes at the near post, Omri at the far. That's it. I can give you a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, give me a bit more. So Reyes at the near post, Omri at the far, sensational goal by Thierry Omri. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think it was Omri. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. <laughs> and I think Reyes was playing. <laughs> well, I've got a time frame. I've got a time frame. So there's got, there's clearly a cross in this where yeah. Reyes is at the near post. Yeah, digital. Yeah. And Omri is at the far post. Um so it says a great finish. So he hasn't headed it in because Thierry didn't really do headers. Um, okay. Far post finish. Got an 04 to about 06-ish time frame. Were we home or away? We were home. Mm. 
Was it in the 7 0 demolition? It was. <laughs> of <clears throat> Everton. No. <laughs> Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. I knew it yeah. Okay. I'm quite pleased with that mathematics there. I, I'm absolutely astounded and wowed by your deduction there. To I mean, first of all, you've painted such a fantastic picture of the goal by just using pieces of that commentary. Um, and then to deduct that he couldn't be scoring a header because he didn't score many of them. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really impressive. I think that's, that's probably my highlight of doing this commentary quiz with you. <laughs> Yeah, it's also worrying that we can put players in a certain time frame and work it out. I, I have to have a word with myself after it. It's almost as, for me, the highlight was glint in the eye um, for you. So, no, at what, I mean, that was in the day, I don't know about you, I, I remember us beating Leicester 6-1, I think, and I was there. And it, was I box, it was Boxing Day, that one, wasn't it? I believe so. I believe so. Um, but I remember watching a game, uh, Blackburn v Sheffield Wednesday, and it was 7-2. Uh, Benito Carbone scored for Sheffield Wednesday, which was a fun name to learn when you were, whatever it was, six or seven. Um, but I, I'd never really seen a seven. Um, and I remember just being so thrilled that Arsenal had scored seven, because it was just completely, that is a destruction. Um, and I know it wasn't the first time, but it felt like we were going to have one a season for a little while after that. It, it really did because I, I, I was, I'm very lucky that I, I was at all three of these. But 0405, we beat Everton 7 0. 0506, we beat Middlesbrough 7 0. And then it was 0708 that we beat Slavia Prague 7 0. <laughs> so I was, I've been very privileged that I was at those three games. But um, yeah, it did just become the norm that we'd absolutely annihilate someone um, every season. Um, and what I love about the goal I described to you was just, it's just Thierry Henry at his nonchalant best. And we've said this time and time again about how effortless he makes football look. Um, and that was another example of that, where he just made a really difficult finish look, look unbelievably simple. And that's the sign of a great player. And, and the fact that he did it time and time again and celebrated in the, the cool way that only Thierry Henry could um, it's just it's it's up it's up there with one of uh, my favourite goals that he's he's scored for Arsenal. But uh, yeah, really incredible memory. Yeah, and and uh, for me, what I actually take from that Middlesbrough game was where he does the pass with his left foot whilst pretending to shoot with his right. Yes. And if you weren't really a football fan, if you weren't trying that in the playground the next day and completely ballsing it up nine times out of ten, and the one time you do it, being like, oh, I'm Thierry Henry. I am Thierry Henry. I remember the first time that he, um, I saw him do that. It was at, actually on Soccer AM where they showed a, uh, a video of his pre-match warm-up um, away at Anfield in uh, 02 and he was doing it just constantly during the warm-up. And they were they were just saying it looks really really easy, but it's a lot harder than you think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, genuinely very hard. I, I also, I went through a spell where I, not obviously in games or anything, where I tried to take penalties like that, which didn't <laughs> go very well. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the skill, quite the skill. Reyes at the near post. Henri at the far! 
Sensational goal from Thierry Henry. His first strike of 2006. They may not be at the top of the table, but Arsenal do know how to play the beautiful game. OK, so now that we've covered those two uh, two goals, which uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still absolutely amazed at your your way of working that goal out. But um, yeah, really, really astounding. But now we've done that, we're going to move on to uh, the bulk of this podcast, which is going to be uh, surrounding transfers, both in and out of the club. Um, Andre, where do you want to start with this? You, I, 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 actually, I, I think I'm going to change that, actually, because I think it's probably best to start with the fact that over the last probably six months, we've been heavily linked with uh, Emmy Buendia from Norwich, and it uh, came to a rather disappointing head on Sunday night where Aston Villa uh, picked us to the post to uh, to sign him. And there's quite a lot to sort of unravel within that um, that story alone. So I think that's probably a good starting point. Mm. So what are your thoughts on this, Andre? Yeah, well, I think first things first, um, we certainly have discussed at one point or another, uh, you know, at a very high level, the possibility of him joining. Um, and I, one thing... Yeah, you, you know, you and I both have friends that support Norwich who really don't want to lose him. I mean, they're certainly clear he, he's he's a quality player, but he plays from the right. And everyone says, like, oh, he plays number 10, but he, he doesn't. He plays right. from the right. <laughs> and yes, he pops up in central places. Well, we've got a £72 million player who's best from the right. And we've got the best youngster in the league uh, who also likes playing from the right. So I never thought we'd actually be that in for him. So I really wasn't that fussed. However, it was the rhetoric and narrative, um, and I'll come back to another player I saw us linked with that seems to be going somewhere else where this came came up, but we might well have been in for him. He's probably on a list of three or four other players. What I think we see is Arsenal fans, and judging by some of the questions we had on our Facebook page, it's very clear, there's no trust. There is no trust in the club. So when we see us missing out on a player who, yeah, played well in the championship and, look, will probably be amazing for Villa and no doubt score home and away against us next season. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) I wasn't that fussed on missing out about the player. But seeing the reaction and the way it's been reported for for, for the best part of a year, to me, I never get wrapped up in that because if you do, you will only be angry. You will only be angry if we miss out on players that you think we should sign. Um. Any Wendia, look, he's a creative uh, player who plays from the right, can score, bit of pace, definitely what we don't have in the team. I can see why he would have been a good fit. However, he is not proven at this level. Does he elevate Aston Villa? Uh, yes, if they keep Jack Grealish. If he is there to do a Jack Grealish impersonation, no. They are spending money wisely. It's a good signing for Aston Villa. But if if we'd lost out to you know Chelsea, let's say we lost out to Chelsea, I'd be going, oh god, why didn't we do that when we had the chance? We haven't. We've lost out to a mid-table team. I'm not saying he's a mid-table player. He may go to Barcelona for a hundred million in two seasons, but I just don't think it's as big of a deal as everyone seems to make out. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm kind of in a in agreement, and um, 
my Norwich supporting friend uh, Kieran texted me about it, and he he was really disappointed. Not only because he was leaving, but he was quite enthusiastic about him going to Arsenal. So that I, I suppose so we had that link between us that we could sort of like talk about this player quite quite extensively. Um, so it's 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 a bit disappointing in that sense, but I think. It's, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, which is like you've just touched on and said about you're just going to be angry if you just get wrapped up in these transfer rumours for for a, the best part of a year. And it's it's so difficult to know what's going on because, like you say, we're going to have a list of three or four targets probably per position, not just, not just across the transfer window. We're going to have a primary target. We're going to have a couple backup targets. And those conversations are happening as we speak. So it's very difficult to know what is happening and why it's happening. And I mean, just looking at Twitter and stuff, the, the outrage that we lost out to Aston Villa and we can't clinch a deal ahead of them just is, is, is it just seems well over the top. And look, I, I don't even know if we legit, if we actually put a bid in for him. Like maybe, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. We might have several bids in for players at the moment and we're seeing where they where they go. Um, but it's, it's, it's just so difficult to know and see what's happening. So I'm not, I'm not that disappointed. And I think a big part of that is because I think there's better places we could be spending that money on. Um, like you so rightly said, we've got two players that can play off the right. We need someone who can play centrally to hopefully help uh, the burden on Emil Smith-Rowe. And I think we're probably in agreement that that player who we would like is Odegaard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And look, if we miss out on Odegaard and get someone else in uh, who isn't as good as Buendia, I will revert back to this conversation and say, well, that was stupid. Um, you know, but we're allowed to do that as fans. As a club, they have to make in-the-moment judgment decisions. And I think they've probably made the right one because I think they think they can get a better, more suitable player for us. Yeah, definitely, definitely agreed. And I, th- I think whilst we're sort of jumping to and fro between Buendia and Odegaard, I, I, I think we we spoke about this on the podcast before about which one we'd prefer. And we both said Martin Odegaard because he's had that adaptation period to to the Premier League. He understands the club, um, having been here since January. So I think it's, from that regard, it's probably a bit of a no-brainer. But... It just depends on if he's going to legitimately be available and if he'd be happy to come to Arsenal, which by everything I've read, sounds like he was quite he was quite happy at Arsenal. Um, and he's, he's made no sort of secret the fact that he would like to have some sort of stability in his in his career as well, because he's as, as a young player, he's, he's just been in, thrown from pillar to post in different clubs. So I think for him, it would be good to be somewhere for a few years and obviously for us we'd be <laughs> delighted to have him back but uh, I think that's that's probably the next conversation to be had is uh, do we think we can legitimately get him yeah yeah well before we do that before we do that I think we should go for because a lot of people are doing this and quite frankly it's a lot of fun um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel you a list of players currently playing and contracted to Arsenal Football Club Fantastic. <laughs> I want you to say whether we're keeping them or we're selling them. And if we're selling them, I want the price you think is realistic. Not what you'd like, is realistic. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put that next to each player. 
and then we will see how much money we have. Okay, so yeah. I'm just going to read you the list of players, and you tell me if we're keeping or selling. Um, and you can be, you know, you can do what you'd really like. Um, and then I want an amount. So the first player is Sayad Kalasinac. So he's a tough one because I, I, I think so much depends on if we can get um, a left back into to cover Kieran Tierney. Um, obviously, you do have the option with Bukayo Saka being there as a, as a as a backup, but I think we've seen the limitations of us only having one recognised left back throughout the season. So with him. Um, I think the fact that Kalasanac is on on high wages as well, I think it's he's going to be a difficult one to get to to shift. So I think it's going to be a case of just take whatever whatever we can get for him to get him off the books, so to speak. Yeah. So if we got more than more than sort of bear in mind he's only got a year left in his contract as well. If we got more than five million, I'd be very very surprised. Okay, we're going to put him down for two. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair fair amount. Mohamed El Nenny. Are you, do you want to keep him or do you want to sell him? I I would say keep purely because I think you know what you get with Elneny. You, he's never going to surprise you in in a particularly detrimental way or in a fantastic. He's going to be the best player in the world way. So I think he's probably one that I would keep pure. And I think a big factor in that is the fact that he. Um, if he went, that's another space in the squad we'd have to fill, and I just I don't think we've got enough financial firepower to be able to do that this summer. Um, ideally, I think you want a squad full of better players than a Mohamed El Nene, but I think for the time being, as someone who's going to play second fiddle for the best part of the campaign, I think I think I would keep him. Okay, I agree with everything you said, but I'm selling him for five million. Um... <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to let you keep this player. You have to sell him. I just want a price. Um, Joe Willock. Joe Willock, I think £25 million if we could get that. Fantastic. All right. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Do, we, do you know how long's left on his contract? I do not. I think it's two, two years or so. Maybe longer. Two years. My sneaking suspicion with this one, and this is another one I'm sure we'll touch on later, my sneaking suspicion is we might try and use him as a as part of the bargaining tool for a potential signing. Um, that's my suspicion and my prediction. So I think he will go um, if we could get. I don't know if you think last summer there was the rumor of the twenty million, well, nearly was it fifteen million from Wolves they supposedly bid. So I think between fifteen and twenty. Fifteen. Eddie and Ketia. You're selling Eddie. I just oh, of course, of, of course, we're selling Eddie. Of course, we're selling Eddie. Uh, I think, and he's been linked to Brighton quite heavily, isn't he? He is. Uh, I think eight million. Wow. Okay. Uh, Reese Nelson. What. <laughs> What a disappointment he's been this season. I really thought he'd be one that would really kick on in the last two years and just has not at all. So I would sell him. Um, and I think I think probably quite similar to uh, to Eddie. I think sort of between 8 and 10 million, I think is probably what oh, you'd get for him. No way. Do you reckon more or less? Six. 
Oh, like, I think you're doing well. I'd, Kolasinac price. Two million. Right. To I, be I fair, you, I'm with you, like, actually, because he's completely unproven, really, in the Premier League, isn't he? He's had a handful yeah. of appearances, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, OK, I've got Willian on here, which we're hoping goes uh, zero pounds. Yeah. OK. <laughs> I'd take now, that this... deal. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is one that's been rumoured. William Saliba. I just, I don't, I, I, I know because he's been linked with Marseille, hasn't he? Um, he's one that I just, I would not sell. Um, and I try my best to integrate him into the side for next season because bits and pieces I've seen of him in France, he's look, he looks like a player that has some really interesting sort of attributes. Um, I don't see the, the logic in spending that sort of money on a player um, and then not trying your best to get him into the team. If they really think he's not good enough, then we've got to do everything we can to try and recoup what we paid for him so that it doesn't look like as much of a disaster but he's one that I would keep and try and try and use next season okay um Hector I would sell I think the time's right for him to go um and I think the time's right for the club and for and for the player um in terms of how much I think we could get for him uh, I, th- I don't even know about about Bellerin I think you'd be disappointed for a player who's so established to get less than sort of twenty five million. I think, but well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this because uh, for the purposes you'll see, I'm gonna give you twenty for Hector. I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair. Balogun, uh, keep this season or loan out? I think I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't given an opportunity in pre season. To see how yes. he does, and then maybe kept until January to see how he does in the in the League Cup. Um, so that would be my prediction with him. So I, I would probably keep him, and I think he'll play in those sort of games. Okay, Lucas Torreira. He's a really tough one as well because he's sort of made it clear that he wants to go back to South America and has made it clear that he's only interested in going to one side. <laughs> so it's, it, it, he's going to be a difficult one to shift. And I think if we get more than 15 million for him, I think we'll, be, we'll do quite well to do that. All right. Matteo Guendouzi. I, I think what's been... Uh, doing the rounds is about between 10 and 12 million I think was the predicted for the transfer to Marseille so I, I think we do well to get many more than that yeah I, I personally I don't know if you saw after Villarreal won the Europa League he posted something about Emery I don't know if you saw yeah, it I did see he that he loves yeah. him he loves him um, I mean, I'm in two minds that's the only one I'd, I'm in two minds about because obviously him and Arteta's bridges are burnt but I'm looking at centre midfield and thinking some of the names we're linked with are they really better than him but hmm, question for another day I think um, this is going to get progressively harder Alexander Lacazette <laughs> I think the problem with Lacazette is I think he's arguably more suited to the system that we play than Aubameyang um, but with Aubameyang being given such a, a, a hefty contract it, it's, it's going to be very difficult to move him on so I, I can't see him going Um but Lacazette, I think I could see him going with. What, is it two years he's got on his contract, or is it a year um, now? I think it's a year. Yeah, so he's one that you're 
the time's probably right for him to move on. Um, what do we reckon? 25, 30 million? No chance. No chance. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I'm, you, I'm terrible with money, by the way. You're, you're, I can tell. I can tell. You get 20 tops for Lacazette. That's the only one I'm going... Like, I think you get 10 for Lacazette. In the current market, no way. All right, this one's been rumoured, um, but I'd like your opinion on it. Granite Xhaka. My opinion on Granite Xhaka, and I was waiting for this one, is that I think he's almost become a symbol of what this current Arsenal squad represents. And I don't think that's ultimately fair on him because I think he's been one of our better performers um, this season. And I think for him, probably the time is maybe right for him to go. But I, I, out of all the situations you need to solve at Arsenal, him leaving is, is not, for me, the main problem. He's, that's not going to solve all your issues by getting rid of him. And that, and that arguably makes up a, another problem because you then are taking out one of your starting central midfielders and having to replace him with someone else. And that's that's going to be a challenge to, to, to do. Um, so I, I, if, if I was in charge, that wouldn't be something I'd be actively trying to do. But I do, I do think he will go. I think he'll, mm. I think he'll be off. And I, th- and I, I don't think anyone will be too disappointed about that. If I'm honest. Yeah, I agree. And and he's rumored for twenty million, right? Yes. Cool. So, just as an idea, you have sold, right? You have sold Lacazette for twenty. You have sold Jacka for twenty. Guendouzi for 10, Torreira for 10, Bellerin for 20, Nelson for 6, Eddie for 8, Ainsley for 15, Willock 25, we're selling Elneny for 5 and Kalasinac for 2, 141 million. Well, we've done all right, haven't we? We've had a bit of a whip round. We've done all right. And I I, I had a Bamiyang on the list, but you said we're we're keeping him, so I'm not going to go into that. Okay. I mean, this is the thing, is that you put all those names on paper and you would sell, not you, I think most Arsenal fans would sell all of them. Yeah. If we can get £140 million... And look, the thing is with Bellerin, is that I can swallow Chambers for another year. Kolasinac, we can get a, a, a free left-back. If we're getting rid of Willock, Ainsley, Elneny, Xhaka, Torreira, Gwenduzi, that's six players that can play central midfield, but you can replace them with two... You get a number 10, you get your backup left, back up left back. If you're selling Lacazette and Eddie, you get a new striker. And suddenly, you've got a squad and a team that I think everyone's behind. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is one of the things that everyone needs to sort of get their head around, is that that ain't happening, Sunshine. Like, we're not getting rid of, I, I think my list of players is something like 13 players. Yeah. We could all of them replaced with five, which tells you all you need to know about our recent squad building exploits. But, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to get rid of and replace and improve upon. So that's why I have higher hopes for what we're going to bring in, because I think we will do more of that than everyone thinks, but certainly not all of it. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think a lot of people think that running a football club is basically running a club on FIFA or football manager where you can just get rid of players and you can sign players <laughs> and you can just do all this in one fell swoop and that's problem solved. But I think we, most logical fans know that this is this is not going to be a quick fix. 
this is going to be something that takes time and it's going to take a lot of work to remove what we would consider the deadwood at Arsenal Football Club. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's it's interesting, and I I, I did enjoy that exercise. I'm, I'm going to reverse things now to you, all right? So okay. I'm I'm going to give you some names that we've been linked with. <laughs> okay. And I want your opinion with them. There's only four that I've got written down at the moment. Um, uh, four names written down next to me, so I wonder if they're the same. Okay. Uh, if there's any other ones, then obviously you can bounce them straight back at me and we'll, we'll go from there. But um, the one that's been doing the rounds most recently is Ruben Neves from mm-hmm. Wolves. What are your opinions on that one? We've got Neves. Ruben <laughs> Neves. <laughs> um... Is he better than Granite Xhaka? I don't know. You tell me, is he? <laughs> I, 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 uh, there's a really interesting on on um, some Arsecast uh, podcast. They sort of do some statistical comparison between the two. <sighs> Look, when I've watched Ruben Neves play, there was a statistic that he hadn't had a touch in the penalty box for a season and a half recently. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, other than penalties which he scored all of. Um, he's got an unbelievable shot, which is a, a hell of an asset to have in your artillery. Um, I like Ruben Neves as a player. I don't believe he's the kind of player we need in our midfield. But then a salient point I, I saw was that, that if Arteta is your manager, who was a sort of ticker over of the ball, not particularly physical, not particularly quick, but kept the ball and used it fantastically, then you can see why he wants someone like Ruben Neves in his midfield. Yeah, I th- I think so, and I think um, I'm going to move on to a different one in a second, which kind of links to this point. But the player I'm going to ask you about next, I saw someone say that Arsenal were after someone with more of the attributes of Danny Ceballos, which mm. which sort of leads me to believe that maybe Neves would be that sort of player who's a little bit not pacey, not really that athletic, but that player very similar to Arteta who bridges the gap and tries to move the ball around quickly. Um, so that's probably my thing of that. But the next player is obviously uh, Yves Basuma, who we've obviously been linked with quite heavily. Mm-mm. Yves, uh, I, would, I would suggest that he is uh, exactly the midfielder I want. But I also don't know if I've been shaped by <laughs> um, recent linking events. Um, is he too similar to Thomas Party? Maybe. Should you have two players like that in your squad? Yes. Because there will be certain games this season where having Yves Basuma and Thomas Party sitting is exactly what we want. We've also just had a season of Thomas Party being out quite a lot and have no, no remotely close replacement. Um, and I know we did this last summer when we talked about Pablo Marie and Gabriel. You do need two players in each position to, to get to where you need to go. Look, we're not City. We're not going to have that as a whole squad. But in your midfield, let's say Smith Rowe's playing and we're 1-0 up at home to a team where we really need to dig in and one of Party or Basuma can come on to shore things up in midfield. That's exactly what you want. Yeah. Um, it's a squad game. You know, There'll be games where the passers are what you want in your team. 
So you might want a, a Neves, for example, or a Xhaka. And you want that sort of passing control that you get. Um, but Eves Basuma, what I like about him is his combative style, but he's very good on the ball. Um, that I think gets mm, overlooked sometimes. And that's probably, uh, without going too deep into it, that can sometimes be a racial stereotype of a midfielder who is black, basically, is that they are a certain type of destructive presence. Um, whereas he is fantastic on the ball and he has a wonderful shot as well. You know, if you look at Neves, I think Basuma brings a lot of those qualities anyway. So it's just quite an interesting one to me. I'd, I'd have Basuma in a heartbeat. He'd be my number one midfield priority. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. Um, every time I've seen Basuma, uh, I've been really impressed with him. Obviously, we we spoke after the uh, last game of the season where we both said that he uh, had impressed us. Um, and I think I think there's a, a real case to be made for, for him. And from everything I've read and seen, it sounds like he would be available. It just depends on the price that we'd be willing to go to for, for that sort of player. So be be an interesting one. Mm. Okay, next one is uh, the Ajax goalkeeper, Andre Onana. <laughs> What's my name? Uh... <laughs> 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 yeah, I can mix it with my popular culture, Tom. Um well, it depends where the Leno's going, because backup goalie, uh, well, we had a comment on Facebook from uh, Matt Riggs, who was talking about Matt Ryan. He spelt Matt Ryan with two Ts, and I feel like that's the kind of mistake an Australian just shouldn't make, right? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'd love us to sign Matt Ryan, although nearly everything you read is about having a backup keeper who is homegrown to help us with our, our squad quota. Um, I would be very much up for uh, Onana. I think he's a very good keeper um, from the games I watched Ajax play in the Champions League particularly. I don't really have another reference point. That season where they got to the semi and then we won't mention what happened. Uh, he was he was fantastic. Um, on a free, what more would you want? But only if Bernd Leno goes, which I think... I didn't include him in our money uh, generating exercise, which I think he probably will if we get the right offer as well. Yeah, and I think obviously the thing with Onano is that he um, is obviously going through uh, his tribunal for uh, and is trying to contest his ban that he got for taking a banned substance. So mm. the rumours are that if... If his ban is upheld, that what we were, I think he's got a year left on his contract at the moment. So if his ban was upheld, then it would be a very low transfer fee. And if it is not upheld or if it's reduced, um, then that transfer fee would go up. So I think that's where it becomes complicated. But that would be a classic Arsenal transfer if we signed a player that we couldn't actually use until February. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing that one. Yeah, so consider him part of a squad. Tick next to that one. <laughs> okay, uh, the next one I have is, um, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, but we'll go for it. Hakan Kalanoglu. Oh, uh, from AC Milan. Yeah, I saw that one. Um, weird, weird, weird uh, link, to be honest. Uh I remember the games he played against the Sfrasi Milan, the Europa, a couple of years yeah. ago. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that was a good signing. 
I think the only thing going in his favour is he's out of contract in the summer. And I think yeah. that's that's why that one's probably done the rounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean I mean have you seen have you have you been linked with other than probably Basuma, are there any names that you've seen us linked with that actually excite you? Not really, uh, if I'm honest. Um the ones that excite me are potentially getting Odegaard in permanently, um, which we may or may not happen. And Basum is the only other one that I really thought, oh, that would be great if we got him. So no, no is the answer to that, unfortunately. Uh, what about you? Well, no, but I've made my own little list. Oh, fantastic. Um... I love I love your list. They're so good. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things. When I say a small list, I mean, literally, the two names I've got written down, Patrick Van Aanholt has just been released by Crystal Palace, right? Yeah. Why isn't he your backup left back already? He, he's better than Ryan Bertrand. Very similar to Tierney in terms of the attacking profile. He's Premier League ready. Why aren't you signing Patrick Van Aanholt on a free? I know he's been released by Palace, but we're not. It depends what we're looking for there. I don't get that. Your silence makes me think you completely disagree. No, no, no. Um, oh, okay. When, when I, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent. When I saw that we've been so heavily linked with Ryan Bertrand before, uh, I didn't necessarily think it was the worst decision in the world if we were going to go down that route because funds are tight. It'd be good to get a player in that you know is reliable and Premier League ready and you don't have to give them a long contract. Uh, so I, I think a player of that of that ilk in terms of that sort of situation would be a sensible move to try and save some funds. Um, my only thinking with the Patrick Van Arnholt one is that we are waiting to see what we do with Kalasinac, um before we, we decide if we need to bring in a player like that. Um, because obviously if we do have Kalasinac in the squad and we can't get rid of him, which may or may not happen, then we don't want to be left with having three left backs there, which would be that. That's probably my only thinking with why that maybe hasn't happened. But no, no, I'm 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 in agreement with you. I think that would be a, a sensible move, and I think it will annoy a lot of people because everyone thinks we should be signing seventeen-year-olds and changing the world that way. But I think there needs to be a balance between experience and uh, inexperience. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one I had, well, we've, similar to Emmy Buendia stuff. Because I saw something from whoscored.com on Twitter. Because there's rumours that Odson, Odson Edouard is going to Leicester. And everyone being like, Arsenal have missed out on another player. And I don't think we're in for him as a striker. I don't think we're in for him while we still have Lacazette, Balogun and Aubameyang and Eddie Nketiah on our books. Agreed. And this might be something that comes back to bite us, I'll admit. But we have to be risk averse. And I think that's wrong. And I think that comes back to the owner. Um However, we do need to be risk averse in the way we're currently one and structured as a football club. And you've just got to respect that a little bit. But I don't think we're missing out on Odson Edward. Really, I don't. Um, I really don't. Again, another player's going to score against us home and away now. But I, I'm not too fussed about that. The one I've got on my list is Mateus Pereira of West Brom. Yeah. And he is someone that... When we look at, if you compare Emi Buendia to Mateus Pereira, Pereira scored 12 goals in the Premier League, I think, and yeah. looked excellent. Um, he's the kind of player that I look at, you know, what do I want to see our club doing? That's the kind of deal. You know, team on the down, he was the, if you look at all the relegated clubs, him and probably uh, Anderson 
at Leon, the centre back from who played at Fulham, would be the only ones I'd fancy. Yeah, I, I think that's a good shout. Both of them, I think, are good good comments. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going back towards an Edward, not one that I'm disappointed about either. Um, I, I've not seen an awful lot of him in the uh, SPL. Um, I did sign him on FIFA once, and he was adequate. <laughs> That's how but to do it. That's how to judge. That is how to judge, and that's that's how the kids judge these days. So let's jump on that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But yeah, I think uh, whenever I've seen Pereira, I've been really impressed with him, and he looks like he's got that uh, excitement and that that unpredictability that that I think we're lacking. So he he'd be one that I'd be interested in um, if if I I'd be quite excited about if Arsenal were linked with. But I've not seen anything to suggest that we are, which is. Um, Perhaps maybe a little bit disappointing, but obviously it's very early in the transfer window, so it's uh, going to be a long, long summer um, without yeah. obviously football. Well, I say football. We're going to come on to the other football, <laughs> mm. and uh, that's probably a good point to start talking about for the last little section about our Before expectations for do. the Euros. Go on. Before we do, Tom. How worried were you about Antonio Conte? being Spurs manager. Uh, I was worried, but at, at the same time, I just, I kind of didn't really pay that much attention to it because it, although it looked like it was going to happen, um, it kind of concerned me that they could get a manager of that calibre, if I'm honest. Um, but I'm, I, I'm thankful that it's not happened and I'm thankful for all the memes that have come out as a, as a result <laughs> of him rejecting them. Absolutely. And, and, and let me just say this as well. I would take Antonio Conte over Mikel Arteta in a heartbeat. Yeah, agreed. Um, and talking of that, just to address the couple of questions we had on Facebook before we uh, go on to, to a brief Euro chat. Um, a question from uh, my dad, and there's also been a reply to it from Barry Grant, but also a question from Declan. They're very similar questions, so I'll sort of wrap them up together. So uh, one asks, is Arteta, the deep, is, is Arteta the answer to our deep-seated problems? we do actually have a retort for that from Graham, who said it lies in the boardroom. Um, but the question is, can Arteta and Edu be trusted to spend wisely on any players? They both thought Willian and Ceballos were going to help the team and kept playing both of them, even when the rest of the world, which isn't in any way, shape or form dramatic, um, could see it was a mistake. Um, so sort of touching on, is Arteta the answer? I guess, manager perspective. And equally, can Arteta and Edu actually be trusted in this window? Well, it, it, a short answer is that no, I don't. I don't think Arteta is the answer. Um, I think this season has shown that, and I think he's put his faith in certain players throughout the campaign that has shown a real naivety as a coach. And our hope is that he can get rid of those errors within his uh, management style um, as he as he sort of matures. But I think it's it's going to be a real tall order for him to be the answer. Um, in terms of moving on to the point about the board, I completely agree. I think that is a deeper lying issue. And I think the whole time that the board is operating in the way it currently is, it's going to be a struggle for us to get back to where we need to be. Um, and then to go on to about, about Edu and Arteta, I, do, I, I don't think either one of them have done anything so far to really show that they've got the impetus or the know-how to take Arsenal in the direction that we want to go. So those would be my answers to those questions. And I think it's uh, they're really interesting questions to sort of dissect. But 
I think it, it, it's unfortunately quite negative answers from uh, from me on on those three points. Mm. And, and and I'll offer a different point of view, which is just that I think drawing any conclusions can be done in six months. I think it's really unfair. You know, questions like can Edu and Arteta be trusted? No idea. Yeah. They bought Thomas Party, fifty million. You could dissect that deal. We probably expect to see more of him next season, which could change our opinion on what happened last summer. I think Gabriel was going to be a great player. Um, we all thought uh, um, extending Sabayas's loan was going to be good. We all thought that at the time. We all thought it absolutely had to happen. I always remember vividly a comment you said, like, I'd be really sad if I don't see him play for Arsenal again. And yeah. now I'd be really sad if we saw him play for Arsenal again. Um, <laughs> I think everyone had their own thoughts on Willian. Um, but could justify it. And I just think Arteta kept that going, thinking eventually something would click. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I follow loads of, obviously, I follow loads of like random football things on Facebook and Twitter and what have you. And one of them is the, is the FA Cup. Uh, and, and occasionally you see like Chelsea third round against so-and-so. And Willian always appears in these highlights being absolutely incredible. Like, I can't explain to you. I look at these clips now in a way I never did before. I'd be like, I can't believe that's the player we have. And I think Arteta just kept thinking that would click and it didn't. But I agree we should have got rid of them, should have stopped playing them sooner. And that is on Arteta. However, he's, only, he's going into his first full pre-season now with his first you know, normal transfer window. It was normal as it is. We're still in lockdown after all. And there's a Euros. You know, can you really judge them now? I would say no. But I would say... By the time we get to the January transfer window, we're going to know whether what we've done in this window is a success. Because, you know, you know, a, a player we've been linked with, Sander Burge, that we haven't really discussed or don't want to, Snip uh, from Sheffield United, could be an inspired signing or could be more of the same. But if you yeah. put him at 12 million and he has a storming six months, everyone going, oh, they've cracked it. So, you know, they do, of course, in football, you do live and die by the sword. I think to my dad's question is, is he the answer? I'd say he's got six months to prove he is. I think that's a, a very fair analysis. You, you're, good at, you're good at making me uh, completely change my point of view. <laughs> no, but I also, I can see why. No, if, you, I, yeah. if I was making the decision now, I'd get rid of Edu and Arteta. I, I really would. I don't see how you keep them. Like, yeah. that's just, I don't see it. I don't know. But, no, I'm, so, with, I'm with you. It is kind of make, it's make or break for them. For for both of them, you feel like this transfer window and the, the next six months of uh, football are make or break. So it's it's just a case of waiting and seeing what happens and seeing the result of that. But it's a it's it's a big big summer for Arsenal Football Club. Absolutely, absolutely. And then look, last but last but not least on that, we think it should be six months. The key thing, as much as it's boring to say it, is the board and the club internally need to think that too my biggest worry is that we just accept the mediocrity after six months when all is yeah. said and done whether Arteta's the answer Edu's the answer it comes down to if they're not the answer how long are we going to hold on to them for and that's honestly that's my biggest worry fair point fair point Okay, so before we end this podcast, we need to obviously touch on the, the Euros, which starts on Friday. Um, how excited are you for the Euros, Andre? Um, Tom, I 
love the Euros. I love World Cups. I just adore them. I just adore them. France World Cup 98 was my indoctrination really, truly into football. Um, you know, that on the back of a double winning season, amazing. I will watch every game. If you think Austria and North Macedonia isn't in my joint calendar with Kelly as do not distract me during this match, you are very much mistaken. I will look forward to that. Watching Gore and Pandev lead out the mighty North Macedonia. Um, there's nothing I don't love about it. Uh, I'm nearly 30, got a sticker book. Um, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I'm, not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Well, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll get mocked, but I don't care. And people I know, we're talking swaps. It happens in playgrounds. Happens in offices too now, guys. We're very progressive. Um, nothing like getting a shiny. Uh, th- honestly, I, I just love it. I'll, I'll watch every game. Um, and the, the games I care least about are the ones with three lines on the shirt, to be honest. I, I actually prefer sitting down and watching. Like, genuinely, I, I use that game as an example. Because so few people will watch it, that will probably be game of the tournament, just in terms of excitement and chaos. Because yeah. both those teams, especially with this third place going through jeopardy, will have some meaning. Like if you win that game, it, you're probably through to the next round, which is just exhilarating, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I I'm really looking forward to it as well. Actually, I mean, I've spoken before about how much I'm not I'm not a big fan of international football, but I do like international tournaments. And like you, I will probably watch every game. Um, and in fact, I, I'm I'm slightly disappointed that I am busy on uh, on Saturday. So what, the games on Saturday, I I've, there's a fair chance I won't be able to catch, um, which is which is enormously disappointing. But in general, I will be keeping track of uh, as much as physically possible and like you my uh, my partner will uh, be disappointed that my <laughs> my tv will always have the euros on <laughs> but um, yeah, i mean, I've got to tell you you're missing out on wales switzerland that granite v aaron denmark v finland that's going to be a good game that's a nordic clash for the ages um and then Belgium, Russia. Oh. You're, you're doing your best to make me cancel my plans, aren't you? <laughs> no comment. No comment. Um, but yeah, no, very excited. I, I'm actually going to... I did have tickets for two England group stage games. Sadly, they got um, refunded uh, due to the um, restrictions. But I am going to Hampden Park uh, next Monday for Scotland v Czech Republic. Oh, that would be great. That'll yeah, be so. That'll be so good. How, how many fans are going to be there? I don't know. I think it's something like ten thousand. That'll still. It that'll was. still be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But very envious of that one. I think that'll be brilliant. But uh, yeah, like uh, more more so than you. I I, I really struggle to get into uh, England as an international team. Um, so I'm I'm sure I will get gripped into it along the way. But I've said before, I really struggle to uh, support England in the same vociferous way that I support the Arsenal so um, I'm sure that won't happen <laughs> but I'll give it my best shot I'll try and get Euro fever absolutely absolutely I've got three wishes for the Euros Tom Tierney out in the group stage so he's yeah. nice and fresh Xhaka to have a very mixed tournament so we don't have regrets and what I meant by that is if he looks like he's gone up the levels we think he has we'll only regret it um, yeah. Do you know we'll either keep him and he won't be as good, and we'll be disappointed, 
or we sell him on the back of a great tournament. So I really hope he's a mixed bag. Um, and my main one was actually, I, I really do want Bukayo Saka to make an impact. I, I feel like he hasn't quite arrived yet across English football in the way Arsenal fans perceive him. And I, I think he's that good that I yeah. just would love him. And, and no one has him in the starting eleven. you know, rightfully so, if I'm honest, when you look at some of the talent there. But I just hope he has a real impact when he gets a chance to show, to show, you know, the world what he's about. Cause he's, he's a, you know, he's an Arsenal man and there's always something really special, really special, uh, or oh, really special. Uh, there you go. I may support Spain or Italy. You can't tell with that accent. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I just really hope he makes an impact as an Arsenal man, especially. Yeah, I I agree. I think that would, uh, those are three very nice wishes that you've got for the Euros. <laughs> And just winner. that football is the real winner. <laughs> football may be the real winner, but who's your actual winner, Tom? Um, I, you know what? I've got a sneaky feeling for Germany, and I'm not really sure why. I think because it's uh, it's uh, was it? How do you pronounce his name? Low or Love or how do you pronounce Love. his name? Jürgen Love. Love. Yeah, it's obviously his last last uh, tournament. And I was looking at their squad the other day, and it's just just very envious of their squad. But uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a bit left field and, and say Germany. Okay, all right. Who do you think? Uh, well, France France are rightfully the favourites. Their squad's ridiculous. I've got a sneaking suspicion for Italy. For Italy, well, two bold predictions there: Germany and oh, Italy. They've got a better team than everyone thinks. It's like one of those where Italy are one of the few countries now where they don't they're not spread there's not many Italians playing in England yeah. so still a bit of a mystery box but they've got some they've got their things together and they're a tournament team because they've got so many good defenders um, yeah. that sort of that no one can name anymore because it's not so much Chiellini and Bonucci they are still there but they've got young blood through uh, that it, it, like they've got a seriously good team that sort of no one really realises. <laughs> it sort of snuck under the radar. So I think France will win, but I think Italy will be my shout to do uh, to do very well. So there you have it. There you have it. Germany and Italy to both go out in the group stages. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. <laughs> okay, so I think that brings us nicely to the end of the podcast. Um, now, I'm not sure what we're going to do in terms of future podcasts. We will obviously do some throughout the summer and we'll try and think of some uh, innovative ideas. Um, and no doubt we'll do some where we talk a bit more about the Euros. Um, but thank you very much to everyone who's listened throughout the season. Um, it's been uh, a real, real privilege for us to be doing these podcasts, um, particularly in the difficult times that, that COVID has been. And it's been nice to have some sense of normality in terms of having a conversation about football each week with you, Andre. Um, so that's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you to everyone who's listened. And we hope that you carry on listening to the Boys and Red and White podcast. If you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, then you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook by searching for the Boys in Red and White. Andre, it's been a pleasure as always and all season it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, you know, same to you. Real joy, real um, wonderful thing to have done in in a very very difficult time, as you said. And we will be back very soon with another podcast. But thank you once again for listening, and we hope everyone is keeping very well. Thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>